Today's topic, we're going to cover what? We fix $10 haircuts. Ah, something I can relate to. <laughs> no. Somewhat. Yeah, somewhat. I, there was a time, right? Believe it or not, I had a once mullet. Once upon a time. Yeah, once upon a time, I did have a mullet, I promise you. So it was my mullet and my 1960 pink rambler that your mother fell in love with. That's it. What a look. <laughs> <laughs> you can see it. Spiked hair, yeah, mullet, leather coat, pink and white, four-door rambler. 1960, yes. Sounds like you went back to the moment. Hey, law firm owners, welcome to the Your Practice Mastered podcast where we're dropping some valuable law firm owner content. We're your hosts. My name is Michael Patrick Strauch, MPS for short. I'm Richard James, and today we're excited to bring you some new content. Hey, we have this gentleman's agreement we've been talking about, right? So we basically say to them, look, we're going to put the work in and come up with a topic that makes sense. In return, we're just going to ask you that you use the currency of social media and YouTube and all of these different things like podcasts. Why don't you tell them what that looks like? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's just as simple as liking, commenting, and subscribing to whatever platform you're either watching or listening to. That's all we ask for in exchange for this content. And if you find it valuable with your peers sharing it as well. Yeah. I mean, look, this is the currency of the new modern day age, right? It's important for the algorithms to do their thing that I don't know anything about. So we're just going to let them go ahead and do that. But today's topic, we're going to cover what? We fix $10 haircuts. Ah, something I can relate to. N- no. <laughs> somewhat. Yeah, somewhat. I, there was a time, right? Believe it or not, I had a once mullet. Once upon a time. Yeah, once upon a time, I did have a mullet, I promise you. So it was my mullet and my 1960 pink rambler that your mother fell in love with. That's it. What a look. <laughs> <laughs> you can see it. Spiked hair, yeah, mullet, leather coat, pink and white, four-door rambler. 1960, yes. Sounds like you went back to the moment. Yeah. I, I, just, I just relived it there for a second. Did you think you saw that? I, I felt it. You felt it. So really today we want to talk about, I think, two, two things, right? One is law firms and their overall concept of pricing. More importantly, the proliferation of what marketers or, or people that are selling law firms advertising think they should do mm-hmm. when it comes to pricing. And, and so we want to put that to rest. And then secondly... Paying for services. So we're going to address this, I fix $10 haircuts that way. The the general idea is that um, you get what you pay for. Like your mom always says, you don't get what you don't pay for, Mm -hmm. right? You had this experience actually literally with a haircut. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, literally. So to kick things off, I might as well kick off my haircut experience. So I'm not throwing brands under the bus, but just Plain and clear, I went to Great Clips. And if you go to Great Clips, that's okay. I just had a pretty horrible experience personally. Went to Great Clips, got in. Person was angry cutting my hair. Like they, it actually felt like I was a, a nuisance. An angry the, barber. An angry barber, which freaked me out as I sat in the chair. And for good reason, ultimately. But he, he kind of felt like I was a nuisance there. That's how I felt, at least. And I get in. And then as he's cutting my hair, He's really not all that interested in what I want to do with my hair. He said, well, this is what I think looks good on you. Uh-huh. Okay, well, that's not really why I'm here. I'm- okay, so <laughs> let's. I want to pause. Yeah. So did you make the decision to go to that company? I won't keep throwing them under the bus. Yeah. Because you're cheap and you didn't want to pay that much for a haircut and you thought it was a discount? Or what, why did you choose that? No, I was in a pinch and I forgot to get a haircut in time. Okay. And so I needed something quick. 
and the place I would normally go to schedules appointments. So you just had to choose something and it was a lesser, it happened to be a lesser price. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, considerably. Yes. Like by how much? Um, by $45 less. On a, how much is your haircut? Yeah. How, how much is the haircut? 50, 55 bucks. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Things have changed. I, things I'm, have changed. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'll be first to tell you, I am bougie when it comes to haircuts. I, I am, but for good reason. And we'll get into that experience. <laughs> okay. I do not pay $45 for a haircut. I think I've gotten it down to it's about 12 cents per shave <laughs> is about what it runs me. And I promise you, he knows that. So it's actually probably about 12 cents per shave. <laughs> so anyway, so you didn't choose it because of the price, albeit the price that you pay is like 50. And how much is their price? It was 10 bucks. 10 bucks. It was a- literally, literally $10. $10 haircut. Yes. Okay. So you chose it because you were in a pinch. And your experience was that you would be happy to go pay the $50 for a haircut. Now, what about the people who go, well, that's fine for you. You can afford a $50 haircut. Sure. Where were you when you couldn't afford a $50 haircut? Yeah. When I, you were I, in college. I still took it a step up. Again, we don't have to name brands, but I went to Sports Clips. And mm. Sports Clips was in the middle between the two, right? It wasn't a $10 haircut, but it also wasn't a $50 haircut. It was $25. So let's talk about this before we tell the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this from a law firm's perspective. Right. So there's two lessons here for them. Yeah. The first is what they charge. Correct. Let's unpack that just a little bit mm-hmm. because I have noticed an uptick in marketers out there that are trying to sell law firm services. Mm-hmm. And the way they're telling the law firms to market is to advertise the least expensive price. They literally want them to put the price on their advertising, on their website. They want to come out and say, we're the least expensive, we'll beat any price. What's your general thoughts about this? What's your experience when working with small law firms or law firm owners in general? It sounds like a quick race to the bottom. It sounds like the value isn't there. And it sounds like a quick way to make a whole lot less per case. Yeah, I think racing to the bottom is an awful strategy, in my opinion. Well, you know, so you were young when this has happened. But when I was building the law firm in Phoenix, there was a firm that advertised, you know, the firm we built the bankruptcy for bankruptcy and tax resolution. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the, the firm was advertising that we were competing against. They owned every yellow page front cover. They owned the billboards. They owned buses, everything you can think of where you were trying to build a law firm brand, they sure. owned, right? Yeah. Now, I don't think about it that way, but they were. Mm-hmm. And they would advertise $1,000 bankruptcies, mm-hmm. okay? Now, you and I both know $1,000 for Chapter 7 is really cheap, right? Especially nowadays. Especially nowadays. And so it was. they were capturing business like crazy. Mm-hmm. But I knew that they were losing money on every case. Yep. especially if they were busy because they couldn't afford to process the work. Mm-hmm. And when people would come in and ask me about it, I would say, hey, look, you're welcome to go there. I, I, I can't tell you how well they cancer. But here's what I know. I know at $1,000 a case, they're losing money on every case. And at some point, the whole thing's going to crumble. Maybe you're going to get in and be lucky mm-hmm. and you'll do business with them before they crumble. But if you don't and you're unlucky, they're going to be gone in the middle of your case. Mm-hmm. And you know, ironically, well, not ironically, obviously that firm, they went away. They went away. They did. They ju- they disappeared. Well, you, you can only take it so far to where you literally can't afford your operations before the whole thing falls down. Correct. So we, part of this is we want to inspire you to in, in charge the right fee. Yeah. Right. So like, you've had experience with this. Yeah. 
because uh, you actually sat in consults. Mm-hmm. You did however many consults yourself, plus however many consults your firm did for people. And you've now coached firms, so you see like literally thousands I've of consults. I've listened and been in thousands of consultations. Okay, so yes. you yourself, let's just say, so we're not judging other people, we're just judging you. Yeah. What's your experience when like people, like were you able to command a higher price and did it affect conversion when you raised your prices? Yeah. And were you, were, did your conversion go down? Did it go up? Well, how well see, that's everybody's preconceived notion. Well, if I raise my prices, I'm, I'm going to have less people retain the firm. Mm-hmm. And I actually found that was the opposite. Yeah. Now, granted, we had the proper structure in place yeah. for a consultation right. process to make sure it facilitated higher conversion rates. Right. But when we raised prices, an example, you know, we had a bankruptcy firm, Peggington, out of Michigan. Yeah. And, and they jumped into the closing room program and they said, you know, we kind of want to try our hand at raising our prices. We feel like we're a little low. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Let's do it. Within the first month of doing that, they increased their chapter seven fee by 20% mm-hmm. and their close rate instantly spiked 15%. Mm-hmm. Spiked 15%, meaning they raised their prices and they actually increased the number of clients that retained their firm. All right. So for that family law lawyer or personal injury lawyer, somebody else who's listening goes, oh, that's bankruptcy. You've given two bankruptcy examples. Is that the only way place it works? No. I mean, we've seen this happen with estate planning and family law, right? Where a, a firm will come in, they have the proper sales structure in place, they'll raise their fees. And as a result of it, they actually gain market share. It's actually really fun to watch. Yeah, it is fun to watch. <laughs> it, contingency firms out there, too, you should know that you, you, there are, I, I notice contingency firms that say, you know, I think we're going to be the discount, you know, di- contingency firm. So there, there's a number of them out there that advertise on a reduced contingency-based fee. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary. No, you don't have to lower your fees to win business. And the other thing is, so let's go back to the end of the story for you. So you now went to the $50 haircut. Yeah. And what's the difference in experience? Why do you, I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming yep. they cut your hair better. They cut my hair better, number one. So I go to a dedicated person now every single time that walks in, knows me by name, gets, they serve a drink with your haircut, right? Mm-hmm. That, I, although little, that's still something that separates the two. And you walk in, they know you by name. They get your drink ready when you walk in. They mm-hmm. see if there's something different you want this time, if you get the same drink. And then they know your hair, right? So they cut your hair to to perfection, in my opinion. Hmm. And they wash your hair out. They spend a little extra time with you in terms of washing your hair. The $10 place, my hair didn't get washed out, Mm -hmm. you know, and and stuff like that. So it's just a much better experience overall. feels more personalized. It just feels like a higher level of service as compared to what I felt like in the $10 haircut where I felt a nuisance. Yeah. And so I would tell you I had a similar experience using an accounting firm. So mm-hmm. I, I made the choice uh, to use an accounting firm that was a bookkeeping service more than anything else. But it was a bookkeeping service that was charging almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found them because I was able to negotiate with them back in the day to do all of the taxes for the law firm in Phoenix right. for all the clients who needed taxes done. And they would do the taxes and we would mark them up and sell them. And we would yep. make sure they all the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed. So I hired the firm to handle my own personal books as well as the company books. And they were great mm-hmm. right up till a point where they weren't. Right. When they got too busy and they started taking on too much business. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, they couldn't return my phone calls. Right. They couldn't get my taxes done when I want them to get done. They missed my appointments, mm-hmm. all those types of things, right? And so my experience is now I go with a firm who charges the right fee, mm-hmm. right? And 
now they make it to their appointments, they hit their timing, and they make sure that they have the systems and the capacity to be able to manage the flow. And whenever a firm doesn't seem to charge enough, they, especially in professional services, they have a really difficult time giving good quality service. Well, right. And, and it's because you, you don't have enough margin to build the proper systems. You don't have enough margin to hire the A players. Like There's just not enough margin in it. And you put yourself at a disadvantage instantly. Yeah. So let's talk about this and how it bridges over. Maybe this is a whole other topic for a whole other time, but let's just at least bridge it over. So I, I'm noticing this same trend mm-hmm. with people that are out there advertising law firm services for labor. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have an agency, full we disclosure. Yep. We have an agency, and because we use remote international labor, mm-hmm. we save money, right? Of course. Uh, but but th- I'm noticing, like, pricing wars starting to happen. Yeah. And, you know, advertising $12 an hour X, $12 yeah. an hour Y, uh-huh. right? And I'm thinking to myself, oh, boy, like, this is going to cause a problem. Yeah, it's not for us, but no. it's going to cause a problem for the lawyers who start to go down in, this path. In fact, you know what? To all those advertisers that help, watch this, please keep doing it. <laughs> Honestly, please. It's not going to cause a problem for us at all, and purposely so. Yeah. I mean, because I, I like, let me take this right. We're going to take like some couple of the most important roles in the firm. The, the intake person who answers your phone and right. his job is to set appointments. We're going to take the, a paralegal right. or a, a case manager or a document prep person, and we're going to try to find the $12 an hour least expensive scenario so that, you know, and that company's got to make margin. And I, I understand margin. By the way, we're okay about profit. Yeah. But, but that means if they're only at $12 an hour, that means the employee, wherever they are, is at something significantly less. And sure. so there's some sort of cap. Plus, they're working out a grandma's basement. Uh-huh. The internet service is sketchy. So we don't, we believe in remote international work. Absolutely we do. But we believe doing it in a way that's quality. Well, yeah, because I mean, you even just said it, you, you take some of the most important roles in a firm in terms of new business being generated, or existing business, making sure they get a good experience. And you're trying to get the lowest possible bargain. And just like getting a $10 haircut, you're now putting someone that's at the lowest bargain possible in some of your most important roles. I don't know about you, but that would concern me a little bit. Yeah, it's not, I mean, we want, so let's talk about the reason why we do this. So one of the reasons why law firms need to pay attention to international labor now is because many law firms aren't profitable the way they should. Correct. There are a lot of thought leaders out there that have told law firms how to grow their firm. Super. Mm-hmm. They grew their firm. Yeah. So they went from doing 400000 to a million or a million to doing three. Do you know how many law firm owners we come across that are doing three, four? I just talked to a law firm owner who's doing $7 million the other day. You know what their profit was? Zero. 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 And I know what the problem is. Sure. But I didn't chastise them. Uh-huh. And they're working with a thought leader that was all about growing that top line revenue. Sure. And so they got excited and they're proud. Uh-huh. And they have wonderful employees uh-huh. and offices and everything else. And they're talking to us about how, you know, they were thinking about staffing. Mm -hmm. And we were starting to lay out this idea, look, staffing represents some should maximum somewhere around 45% of your total gross revenues, which means it's the largest expense you have as a small law firm. Right. Right. So you should pay attention to ways to reduce your staffing, but you can't do it and eliminate quality or at the risk of quality. No, you, you've got to strike a balance between the two. And like you always say, top line revenue, that's for vanity. 
profit, bottom line, is for sanity, right? right? To, you know, so get, getting a two, three, four, five, six, seven million bucks, but no profit. I mean, why do it? Why do it? Right. Why not keep your firm at 500,000 and keep 250? You're in a much better spot at that position. Why, why have all the stress and the headache and the payroll concerns and the bills and the cash flow issues and everything else that comes with that and then have one blip? Like have one blip month right. where you're off because something didn't have macroeconomics. You're a criminal firm and the cops stopped cracking down on these particular crimes this month. Or you're a family law firm and macroeconomics hit you. Or you're a bankruptcy firm and the numbers go upside down. Or just fill in the blank, right? There's all sorts of things that affect these scenarios. With the exception of those law firms out there that have subscription-based revenue, which is few and uh-huh. far between. Right. You, but yeah, I, I mean, if... if if you're a law firm and you're not generating any profit, you're quite literally one bad month away from going into debt. Oh, we saw it all. We see it all the time. Yeah. I mean, you are one month away from going into debt and and that's one bad month. You got to hope you don't hit a stretch. And so profit is something we've talked about. It's affected by two fundamental areas. One is this pricing and yep. getting their services priced correctly. There's many, many, many other areas we don't have time to go into. But the other is being able to control your expenses and the biggest expense being labor. You do want to pay attention to your expenses and labor expense. So I, I, I think we've articulated the importance of you know making sure we're putting quality staff in place. And we've talked about obviously what the low bargain quality looks like, but maybe some practical implementation as far as what that looks like. How how we operate, the different remote models. Yeah. So my advice is if you're going to go hire international remote, don't go hire somebody that's working out of a basement or out of a Starbucks or out of their apartment as a one-off silo. Find a way. There are firms out there that do it. We're one of them. I'm not pitching our firm, but we've found it. This works, right? We've tried it the other way and it doesn't work. Correct. Find a way to make sure that the staff you work with are all in the same building, in the same place. This allows you to gain quality staff for a number of reasons. You gain control. You know when they come, you know when they leave. Mm-hmm. You've built culture. Yep. You've built a tribe. Mm-hmm. And you have the same cultural norms. Mm-hmm. So like they're all from the same place. When you hire a person from South Africa and a person from Central America and a person from the Philippines, they're all in different time zones. Mm-hmm. They're all different cultural issues. Mm-hmm. They all have different holidays. Yep. It's a hot mess to manage. And they all have their own personal internet issues and their own dogs barking in the background or whatever. Right. Whereas if you have a controlled environment where they all work in the same place, your savings won't be as deep. Sure, you can go hire somebody in the Philippines for less than $1,000 a month. Yeah. There's no, we've done it. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> we've done it. And it's a challenge. It is. Right. It's just a challenge to manage that person and manage an army of those people well. If you want to grow your firm and you want to actually build some stability, you need to make sure that you have a stable platform you're building on. And the stable platform, it, it, like the rule of offices haven't changed, right? The rule of offices are. The way offices work the best is when they can build community together and when they can all be working and be, you know, marching to the same drum. And one of the ways to do that that we found with this taking advantage of remote international salaries mm-hmm. is, or leveraging, taking advantage of the wrong word, leveraging yeah. that mm-hmm. is finding an international location where everybody's in the same building, mm-hmm. having the same stable labor internet, having some sort of centralized management team that makes sure they pay attention to all the legal scenarios that are going on and make sure all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. Right. And yes, you'll pay a little bit more than if you just go hire somebody straight out of the Philippines. But to be clear, yes, if you're 
playing apples to apples against the Philippines, but if you're playing apples to apples against the U.S., it's quite a reduction. Yeah, so the answer is it depends. And this is important, I think. So the entry-level person, the intake person, who you know is arguably a very important role in the firm, setting appointments, maybe raising up to salesperson, that entry-level, entry-entry, yeah. your savings isn't going to be as great at that level as it will as you raise them up. Sure. Because when you raise up with U.S. dollars, the dollars go higher, but the percentages for those increases in whatever dollars, in, in our case, pesos, mm-hmm. is not as significant to the U.S. dollars, but it's right. significant to the employee. Right. Right. And so you pay attention to the entry level. Your savings is probably in the 30 to 40 percent range. Depending on your geographical location. Yeah, depending. Well, I had a guy the other day to say to me, the law firm owner said, oh, well, you know, I pay $16 an hour for my setter. I go, how long are you keeping them? Uh, Yeah, they don't stay very long. That's why. Exactly. Right. So you're not going to today. You're not going to if you find a $16 setter, they're either terrible or if they're any good, they're going to leave. Right. Because they can go get a job working remotely out of their home yep. for 20 bucks an hour, 22 bucks an hour, yeah. right? Every day of the week, plus their bonus, plus everything else. We have found in the U.S. right now a good quality appointment setter who's got, you know, who's got game. Yeah. And in, is, whether they work in an environment, an office, or they work remotely, is making somewhere between forty and $50,000 a year. Yep. Right? Uh, upwards of sixty, depending on uh, where you're at. If you're in maybe California, New York, or a bigger city where pay scale is a little higher. Correct. Yep. So, and, but then when you get to paralegal or you get to case manager or whatever, you know, now we're getting to 50, 55, 60, 65, depending. Mm-hmm. But look, the problem with those folks are is people want to go out and hire experienced paralegals or experienced case managers. And oftentimes they're experienced and they've got bad habits that they came from the firms where they were at. And so they come with fleas, right? I mean that you know, metaphorically, but they, meaning that there's issues there. Mm-hmm. And so the best paralegal is the one that was raised up naturally, that was intelligent, hardworking, had the right attitude, and right. we raised them up through the firm and we groomed them to be our very own paralegal. And that's what we advocate. And, and so when you raise that person up, yeah, they make more money, but it's a considerably less than you pay in the U.S. And that's when you start to get into that, you know, 45, 50, even 60% savings on cost. But you've got a quality team member right that is still under the same roof management and everything else so again we covered pricing in a couple different ways one is pricing your services it's so important and two is making sure you pay attention to the fee that you're paying for your employees that's one of them you know but mostly it's this idea of beware of of, of anybody who markets to, who tells you to market on price. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yeah, I, it goes both ways. Be, beware of anyone that tells you to market on price, meaning, you know, kind of race to the bottom type model. And, and beware of anyone marketing to you as far as racing to the bottom, because it's only a matter of time before the system topples. Mm-hmm. That's it in a nutshell. I think that's a good lesson for today. Yeah. Hey, hey look, at the end of the day, guys, you know, I think this was a, a helpful topic and hopefully you can take something from it. And depending on what platform you're listening on, we'd love to hear your comments down below. And just as a wrap up again, we've got that gentleman's agreement. So if you did find today's topic helpful and valuable, uh, we'd kindly ask that you like subscribe on whatever platform you're watching or listening to and turn those bell notifications on. And if you want to share with your peers, please share with your peers. Yeah. I I always have fun doing this. Yeah. But it's work. It is work. We got to come up with some stuff. Yeah. But we're happy to do it. Yeah. Happy to do it. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, guys. Take care.